You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 437. If you have a phenomenal deal, I am telling you, there is cash buyers lining up at the door that you could find. You could rack your brain and find somebody. You found somebody that was a financial planner, right? You can find somebody that has the money to close on the deal. So you need to go with confidence that you can close every deal that you put under contract. And you should have the intention to close every deal that you have the contract. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. Investor Grit presents Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. Welcome everybody to the Wholesaling Podcast, America's number one podcast for new real estate investors, where we know that finding discounted property is the most proven path to financial freedom. I am your host, Brent Daniels, Mr. TTP, and I am telling you guys, if I can do this, starting out at over $700,000 in debt from a personal judgment and build a million-dollar real estate wholesaling business, so can you. You absolutely can. So let's get excited. Let's get fired up. This is going to be great. This podcast interview is going to be really excellent. I've been waiting for this for a few months. I'm going to be introducing to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast a incredible wholesaler that also has a cold calling company, which is interesting. We'll get into that. But more importantly, we're going to break down a massive deal that he has done in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'd love to introduce Max Fish to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. Say hello, Max. Hey, how you doing, guys? Thanks for having me, Brent. I'm excited to have you on here. We've been talking a lot and we've been going through because I am personally, I tested out Max's cold callers. Obviously, guys, this is your first time listening to this podcast. I truly believe that you can build an incredibly profitable real estate investing business by being extremely proactive. That's what TTP means. It means talk to people. It's like a command. It's like an action, right? I mean, there's some people talking to a lot of people, but making as many calls as you, Max. I mean, you you are making a ton of calls. You have built your business being proactive, but you've been in this a while. You've seen the ups and downs. You've tried everything. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about how you got into this business, and let's talk about the evolution that you have taken, and then we're going to really get into sink our teeth in how you got a massive deal and how other people can too. So tell me about you, Max. Yeah, you're right. I've been doing this a little while. I uh, got started in the business in 2002, bought my first property kind of on a whim. I had started about, I want to say maybe, oh, I don't know, like six months prior uh, in the mortgage business as an originator. And um, of course, I'm in the business six months, so I know everything there is to know, right? And uh, I figure, let me take some action. And uh, I had sold a property that it was actually one of the last properties that a builder was selling in a development. And he had actually used it as a model. And so I call him up. He gave me a number. I want to say it was like 200 and something thousand. I I don't remember off the top of my head. I remember the profit, but I knew it was a good deal. So I bought it and uh, ended up pretty light rehab, put like 15 grand into it and sold it in 03. Since then, I've been in, uh, you know, different 
I guess, aspects of the business. Again, mortgage origination. Uh, I was involved in uh, commercial real estate finance. And today I do uh, everything from rehab to wholesale to wholetail. And then like you had mentioned, the, uh, the cold calling business. Full-time, love it, eat, sleep, breathe real estate. This is something interesting as there's certain progressions in your wholesaling business. When we're starting out, we're just trying to get our first deal. We're just trying to find somebody, a distressed property owner that has a problem that we can solve and we get our first deal and we're feeling excited about it. And then we start building and then you really do have different options. I think that this is an important point to make here, guys, is wholesaling isn't just meaning you assign a deal and you make an assignment fee. That's not what wholesaling is. Not my definition of it, not Tom Kroll's, not Cody Hoffines. The definition to me is you are sourcing real estate opportunities. That's what wholesaling is. It's just the act of sourcing it. People aren't just bringing it to you. You're paying a premium for them to bring deals to you and they get paid. No, you're actually going out there. You're getting the deals from the actual distressed property owners. And what Max is saying is he has different avenues for exit strategies, right? Because in the wholesaling business, there's three parts. You are lead generation, your conversion, and then you are exit strategy or disposition. So you're saying you do wholesale, wholesale, and flips. How do you determine, do you look at every property, run it through some sort of filter and determine what is the best strategy for that property? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in short, that's a good way to look at it. So I don't do anything virtually. I'm kind of old school in that way. I'm only in the Philadelphia market. I do try to look at every property, especially the properties that we buy. And I think that, you know, I've kind of learned the different neighborhoods uh, within the Philadelphia market. For those who don't know, I mean, Philadelphia is a very large city, geographically speaking. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, land. So, you know, you learn the different neighborhoods. And I think, you know, a good way to break it down is when a deal, comes in and it's in a certain neighborhood, you know, that maybe, you know, kind of just sets off a, a bell, then, uh, you know, then I, I take a good look at it. We run it through. And if it makes sense, you know, then sometimes we'll buy it and rehab it. Other times, you know, if it's a big profit spread, we would like to buy it and relist it, you know, wholesale as they call it. And then, you know, the stuff that doesn't fit our model, we will typically wholesale. So we're typically looking at deals with a $250,000 ARV or higher. You know, because look, it costs the same amount of time and energy and money to rehab a deal that you're going to sell for a hundred thousand as it does for a deal you're going to sell for a million. So we we typically will wholesale the smaller deals away, and we don't hold any residential real estate currently. So got it. So it almost sounds like you're like a flip first, and what if it doesn't fit that model, you're looking to wholesale it. Yeah, I mean, assuming that we have capacity. You know, at one point we had I don't know nine or 10 going at one time. And that is, <laughs> that's, that's pretty crazy. So now we're kind of three or four, you know, maybe. So it's not as clean cut as, you know, if, if we can rehab it, we do. So we got to have the capacity. We got to, you know, time of year, obviously seasons here, or we take that into account, you know, so, so there's definitely some things that go into it, but yeah, if we can rehab it, that's where we're going to maximize our revenue. And that's, that's what we're going to shoot for if possible. Well, and it's interesting, not often do we get to interview somebody that's been in the business for 18 years. I mean, tell me, walk us through, because I think it's important to look back at what worked and see what isn't working and what's working now, right? I feel like it's always like the book, Who Moved My Cheese, when it comes to lead <laughs> generation, right? I mean, it really is. There's a lot of different things there. And if you're not familiar with that book, basically, 
the cheese, the deals aren't going to be in the same place every single time, right? If you're doing direct mail, it's not going to always work. If you're doing pay-per-click, it's not always going to work. If you're doing text blasting or voicemail drops, obviously I'm biased here because I push cold calling. Uh, it's been the only constant that I've had for the last 16 years is consistent deals from cold calling because it's proactive, because you're constantly building up your pipeline full of leads that eventually just start popping and you get consistency with your deals. But what have you seen? I mean, did you start out in this business traditionally marketing? Actually, it's funny. So yeah, I, uh, again, started out in the mortgage business and I would actually physically take paper flyers around two real estate agents to drum up business, you know, physically meet with folks, you know, take builders out to lunch, you know, that kind of stuff. Look, we didn't have Facebook advertising. We didn't have, heck, even some of the cold calling and different digital technologies that we have today, we didn't have back then. So yeah, I was very much um, hands-on, you know, meeting face-to-face, a lot of traditional marketing. I did some direct mail, but it was nothing to the scale that you see today. I mean, I know guys, even in my market that are doing you know, 25, 35, 50,000 mail pieces, you know, I was, you know, maybe doing five to a month. Yeah, a month. I was maybe doing five to 10. But again, it was more face to face, more about the relationship. I focused on what we called at that time, special finance or, or subprime, you know, subprime loans. And basically, uh, you know, we were working with the people with challenging situations, not just bad credit, but, you know, maybe recent bankruptcy or interestingly enough, a lot of the same folks that we deal with today in the wholesale space, people that were motivated in some way or had some issue that they had to overcome. You know, they didn't have a one credit and a great job and could just go to their local bank and get anything they wanted. Got it. Let's get everybody excited. Let's break down a massive deal. Let's talk about the deal that you did that. And when I define anybody that has listened to this knows that I define a massive deal as a $50,000 net to you in your bank account deal. I push everybody in the TTP family to it. In our first conversation that I do in our welcome call, when somebody joins the TTP program, that is the first thing that I push them is they need to get a massive deal as quickly and as often as possible. Because truly in this business, we find what we're looking for. It's that whole, I know there's a fancy scientific word for it, but it's that mental antenna that you have that, you know, once you buy a car, you see that car everywhere. Your wife's pregnant, you're pregnant, you see pregnant people everywhere. If you're yeah. looking for massive deals, you will find massive deals. And Max is going to break down exactly how he found one. And you can take these experience and implement it into your business. So let's break it down. Yeah. So um, this deal was a little bit different. Again, doing business in Philadelphia, we were actually, not myself, but uh, my acquisitions guy was driving by a property. So we identified the property and you know sent mail. You know, all the usual channels and even knocked on the door, had no success. And at the time, I think I was, uh, I don't know, maybe three months into to TTP. Like, you know, I had just gone through all your videos. I'm, I'm all fired up. And I was uh, really excited to start, you know, start using the phones. And at that point, I had, a, I think, three, I think I had three VAs calling for me. So I provided her all the information, you know, property, the phone number. I even gave her some pictures so she could reference them if she had to with the owner. So we started calling. And so VA, uh, I, just, just real quick, Max, VA is your professional phone prospector. Yes. Because okay. yeah. VAs do a lot of different things and it's kind of like an all encompassing word. So I want to make sure people aren't confused. So you've got people that have experience training, everything, making these calls. Go ahead. Absolutely. 
So I think we tried to reach a single man. I wouldn't say it was like in his late 50s. And he was actually working professional. The house was dilapidated. It was an interesting story. But I want to say we reached out to him maybe, I don't know, two or three times. We finally get in touch with him. And uh, my caller leaves all the notes in Podio. And I actually wanted to take this one versus my acquisition. I do have one acquisitions manager. So I call the guy and start talking to him. And uh, he was pretty adamant. Like, I'll listen to you for a couple minutes to see what you're all about, but not interested in selling. Okay, fine. Put him back into the follow-up. So the first contact you got with him, you tried mail, door knocking, everything, was a cold call. Well, after three or four attempts, but yes. Like I said, we talked for five minutes. He acknowledged the call, but was pretty adamant, you know, not interested. Goodbye. So I put him into follow-up sequences. We then start, you know, following up with him again, calling him, calling him, calling him. I want to say this went on for, I don't know, maybe two calls a month for four months, right? So now we're like nine months in and uh, finally get the guy on the phone again, more notes in Podio. I see a pop-up again, based on the way I buy, I like the area, the whole thing. And I get back on the phone with the guy and uh, it took a really long time. Had to go to the property a few times. He had to include his attorney and you know was all he these. Living people. there was it vacant? Was it a rental? Like if you were to obviously you got it from your driving for dollars, and we'll touch on that because I think it's absolutely critical that you need to be building up your driving for dollars list. But what other list would he be on? Would he be like a tired owner, owner equity? Would he be a tired landlord? Like. This guy probably would have shown up on every list. So he actually did live in the property, which was mind boggling because from the exterior, the property looked to be, you know, reminded me of like uh, one of the haunted houses in the old movies you see, you know, up on the hill with the windows all smashed out. He did have equity, but he had a mortgage, which he was laid on. So he would have been on that list, high equity. He had filed for bankruptcy at one point, but that was discharged. So maybe even a BK list. I mean, he would have been on a lot of lists. Yeah. So I finally met with him. He had been through a recent divorce Mm -hmm. and basically just kind of like let the property go and was working. And I think he had the money, but I just, again, I think like recent divorce and the whole thing, I just think it was too much for him. And because he had bought the house with his spouse, there was this incredible emotional attachment. When I say it took a long time to work through the process, it it took, I want to say it took us two months to finally sign. And you know, he had this value in his mind that was, you know, as usual, way far off. And once we got him to come to a reasonable number, again, I wanted to wholesale it. But then I just started looking at the property. I thought, you know what, I'd really love to just buy this thing. Because the rehab, although it was dilapidated, it was it was minimal in the sense that it was like, you know, doors and windows, refinish the floor, like it, it wasn't the typical full gut rehab that we do. So I want to say our total budget ended up being like between thirty-five and forty thousand, but understand it was a big house. It was about three thousand. Thirty-five, forty thousand is a light rehab for you. It was a three thousand square foot house. So <laughs> oh, yeah, it was it, it was sure. a real big house. That's the only reason it was that high. I want to touch on something that I just don't want to gloss over because I think it's really important. And you're going to have to educate me on this because I, I work my business a little bit different. So uh-huh. when you guys talked to him, he said, "No, I don't want to sell it." And so, but you kept him in your cold calling sequence to call later. Do you do that with all of your driving for dollars? So the short answer is yes. Today in my business, back then I only had, I think I had two callers at the time. Today I have five callers. I have four that call full time and one that just does follow up. Because what we have found is our biggest deals come from follow up. And and I mean like, like by far. Yeah. And so this was a perfect example. Took a year to put this thing together. 
So he said no. He was very adamant. He even said no the second time. And then, like I said, after two months, now I'm like, I'm hooked in. I had his cell phone number. We had constant communication. We were, you know, just kind of working through the process. And after two months, we finally were able to bring this thing to a closing. Like I said, I decided to buy it. So I raised some private money and uh, from a financial planner friend of mine, and we ended up buying it. Our total rehab time frame was, I want to say less than four weeks. So we started construction immediately, four weeks. We ended up listing the thing for sale. I want to say about six weeks after we bought it. Mm -hmm. We had it under contract over asking in four hours. (laughs) So let's look at the numbers on this. Okay. So you bought it for how much? 175. Okay. And you put how much into it? Call it 50 with closing costs, the whole deal. So you're at 225. Yeah. So we're at 225. I'd have to look up the exact number. It sold in the low threes. We ended up after expenses and everything, we ended up netting just under $85,000. From one call to a driving for dollars lead that probably would have ended up on a lot of other lists, but hold on a second. Let me ask you this, because I think that this is the most important part of that. Obviously, going through that process, getting the experience, everything is phenomenal. What went through your brain the first time you looked into your bank account after that deal and you saw an additional 85, almost $85,000 in your account? What was going through your brain? So what went through my mind is the same thing that went through my mind. The first deal that I did that I mentioned when we just started talking, the the house I bought from the builder, I want to do another one. (laughs) I want to do another one, man. I mean, look, you know, that one, I was in my early 20s. I made 30881 I still remember it like it was yesterday. I'm, you know, driving like this to check, trying to keep my eyes on the road. You know, same feeling, man. Same feeling, you know. You know, like you always say, if you can do it, anybody can do it. You do it yeah. once, you want to do it again. You know, for me, I get frustrated because I want them all to be $85,000 deals, right? I want them all to be, you know, massive profits. They can't all be. But for me, that's what keeps me going. That's how I do the... I mean, look, I've done deals where I've made two grand. So, you know, that's what keeps me going. That's how I do those small ones, because I know that if I do enough small ones, I'm ultimately going to find a big one just by continuing on, just by keeping it going. Yeah, I remember. It's funny, Max. I remember as a real estate agent, and this is right before this is like 2012. I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And I, I would only have like 12,000, 15,000 in my personal account, right? In the business and personal combined. I was just like, oh my gosh, that's good money. It's good. I feel like, you know, I've got some savings and it's awesome. And then I remember I closed a deal for $42,000. And I remember that going into my account. And now I have over $50,000 in my account. I am telling you, I started shaking. My wife's like, what is the matter with you? It was life changing. It literally changes you. These massive deals literally change what's going on in your brain. And now it's like you push for more and more and more. And, and if you understand, if you make a really, 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 really strong link with the fact that what that bank account is showing you, that is your scorecard on how much value you're providing to your neighborhood, to your community, to your business to the world from that standpoint, from a, your income equals the amount of value you provide. 
And I'm telling you, it feels so good building that up. And it's not like a greed thing. It's really not. It's really just letting you know and giving you an indication that you're making a difference out there in that neighborhood. I I assume with that property that you sold, you sold it to somebody that's going to keep that house up. It was a blight on the neighborhood for forever. The neighbors are probably excited. It probably increased the values all around. Like everything goes up by the work that we do. And it's like, it really is just an incredible business to be a part of. I just love it. I don't know. Yeah, look, I couldn't agree more, Brent. And I think that you make some really good points. I had heard something similar a long time ago, something to the effect of, uh, you know, money is just a way to keep score uh, at some point in business, uh, you know, something to that effect. You know, but you're right. Look, it's life changing. It's a way to keep score. You know, I think that unfortunately, there's a lot of negative connotations around, you know, money in general and making money, talking about money. And I think that. I think that's changing. I really do. I really think people are starting to get it. I hope so. Maybe I'm just in a bubble. Listen, I I think it really is. You know, Max, talk to me. So here's the deal. You had in-house callers, right? Your story is very similar to mine, right? Over the last uh, seven years, I have hired dozens of people to work in my office making calls. I have hired dozens of Filipino cold callers from cold calling offices in the Philippines. I have hired Americans working in Costa Rica for the last three years that have made me millions. They truly have with call motivated sellers. Uh, But that's a premium product. It is. It's $20 an hour. It's Americans making calls. It's like top of the line. And you were looking at this business and you were like, okay, how do I keep my, my budget tight? And can I, well, really the question was, can I train foreign callers to be as effective as American callers if I'm really serious about it? And guys, I'm telling you, I get hit up literally every single week from different companies, different products, different people saying they have cold calling companies, saying that they have these centers, saying that they have everything. They don't work. They're not effective. They're super shady. It's really gross. I don't like it. It's been years. I mean, for the last two years, literally every week I get hit up. Max was in TTP program. He's been working it. He's been supporting people in our private Facebook group. He's really done an incredible job in the community. And he decided to start building out a year ago a company to be able to fit that lower priced caller that 10 bucks an hour yeah right? about call, call about 10, ten dollars yeah. an hour for a really awesome caller that he's personally trained in the ttp method in his own methods in his uh the way that they keep track of everything the way that they're looking at their kpis or their key performance indicators are basically the results that they're getting from their calls and he has, he's like, Brent, I'm finally to the point. I want you to test this out. I will give you a caller. Give me a list. Gave him a shot. We locked up a deal first month, which is really, typically it takes longer than that. I would say in all honesty, they're about 85%. And this is just from my, my own experience, about 85% as good as my callers, but they're half the price. So I'm doing all the kind of pitching for you. If people want to think of it that way, it's really not. I mean, if you're in this position to to test this out, go for it. If you're not, no big deal. But it is another resource. That's the point of this podcast, give you all the resource and instruction that you need to be successful. So if you're in a place, I think that you should consider this as an option 
for calling if you want to start scaling or if you simply just don't have the schedule to do it. So what's your company name? So callingreps.com is the website where people calling can go. Reps, R-E-P-S.com. Yep. Awesome. And this is a small company. I mean, this is not something that you've got, you know, a thousand people working at, right? I wish, man. No, uh, we're currently, uh, I want to say there's uh, 16 or 17 people. I have uh, about a half a dozen called administrative staff or people that help me to you know, do different things from training. I have a full-time English tutor that works with these guys. I mean, so well, we're not just let's just, let's do this. Let's assume people aren't going to use your service, but they want to get their own VA. Give them your top couple tips on what you should be looking for for quality there. And then if they don't want to mess with that, they can just reach out to you and get hooked up. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. So yeah, I mean, I've been using VAs for everything for a long time, and and the calling I think is definitely a unique, you know, a unique aspect of of virtual professionals. If I was advising someone looking to to hire a caller or company doing calling, I think I would want to know a few things. I'd want to know, as you alluded to earlier, where are the people where are the people from, because I think that you know every market is different. Whether you're sending mail or whatever, calling is no different. So I think that knowing where they're from is extremely important. I think knowing how they're trained is probably the second thing I would want to know. As you said, all of my callers, we spend two weeks training and uh, and we use TTP. And uh, I think it's extremely important that you have a uniform message. So I think that would be number two. You know, number three, I'd, I'd want to know the company and I want to understand what kind of management and training, ongoing training they offer. Yep. Because what a lot of people don't understand is a virtual professional is no different than a, an, an in-house employee. Look, I had eight in-house full-time callers to my office in Philadelphia at one point. Yep. And a VA has to be managed just the same way. There's some cultural differences, but at the end of the day, if people are not trained to manage properly on an ongoing basis, yep. people are just going to do what they want to do. Yep. And they're not going to maintain that, that standard that guys like you and I insist upon. Yep. Awesome. So people get a list, they skip trace it, they go to batchskiptracing.com, they skip trace, they get the phone numbers, and they just give you the list? Well, we do it a little bit differently. We can do it that way. So we like everybody use call tools. We set up a deal with the guys at call tools, so you get a pretty nice discount. I'm not paid by them. It's just something I yep. want to work out. Yep. And then from there, we're going to use, you know, we're going to use the client CRM. I personally... I'm a lifetime member with uh, Investor Fuse. I like that product, but you can use whatever you want. I mean, for your business, Brent, we just send emails. So those emails go to my lead manager that then puts it into Investor Fuse. So yeah, fair enough. That's a good distinction. And uh, you know, my point is that we want to do what's best for the client. And the key takeaway there is that the client owns the data. You know, I've I've heard stories of companies that when you go to leave, they want a fee. You know, like a, it's like a hostage situation. They want money for you to get your own data. Um, so, gross. so yeah. you yeah. know, when you talk about sleazy and shady, believe yeah. me, I'm, I'm with you. Yep. Awesome, man. Well, callingreps.com, guys, I'm telling you, the experience has been phenomenal. And if you are in a place, definitely check that out. So I wrote a couple notes here, Max, and then I'll ask you a final question, okay? Sure, uh, go ahead. The first note that I wrote here was really interesting. He talked about when he found this opportunity, the cold call, it was a driving for dollars. Are you using Deal Machine? No, no, I don't. So Investor Fuse actually had SendFuse, which they've since sold off, but I was using SendFuse. Got it, got it. Well, guys, if you need a resource for driving for dollars, Deal Machine, use the TTP code. It is so easy. It's going to give you all the information for that. But really, you drove for dollars, 
And then you decided you were going to raise money to close this thing. I think that that is really important. Remember, guys, here's the thing. When you're going out there, you are the buyer. OK, I don't care if you have 13 cents in your bank account. If you find a deal, let me ask you this honest question to everybody out there listening. And if you're watching, if you want to see what this looks like, go to Brent Daniels Real Estate on YouTube. Definitely put a face to the voice. But if you have a phenomenal deal, I am telling you, there is cash buyers lining up at the door that you could find. You could rack your brain and find somebody. You found somebody that was a financial planner, right? Yeah, you can find somebody that has the money to close on the deal. So you need to go with confidence that you can close every deal that you put under contract. And you should have the intention to close every deal that you have the contract. If you assign it to somebody, that is an exit strategy that is one of many but you need to go. A lot of people, I think, get stuck and they don't start here because they're like, oh, I don't have the money. I feel like I'm lying to them. I feel like uh, I'm not really going to close on this and everything else. You can find the money. I guarantee you if it's a smoking deal, I don't know a single person. I don't know a single person that has had a problem getting people to give them money for a discounted property. I am telling you, you can do it. So have that confidence. That's number one. Number two is I think it's brilliant, Max. You know, I go through my driving for dollars list. If they say no, we'll recycle it a year later. You said you go through it like uh, after two or three months. I'm going to really look at that because that might be the way to go. I mean, even though they're saying no, here's the, here's the absolute truth with your driving for dollars list and why it's so potent. It's so potent because... They have to do something. Either they have to have a, a big amount of cash or capital to invest in that property to bring it into livable or sellable conditions, or they have to sell to a cash buyer. A lot of times banks won't finance these properties, so they have to sell it to a cash buyer. It might as well be you. So there's a couple of notes that I took there. I thought that that was absolutely phenomenal. I really appreciate the call that we have that's going bananas. Uh, what's he, like 20 hours a week adding leads? It's phenomenal. So guys, 40 hours a week, kid, full time. Uh, definitely check out callingreps.com. And I'm telling you, it's white glove service. Max will really treat you. I mean, he'll get on the phone with you personally and walk you through it and really help you out. Max, if you had to start completely all over again, I give you $100 to find your first deal. What do you do? So I started with direct mail. So I, I wouldn't be able to do that. I would call. Yeah. I, I would call, man. Talk to people. I would pick up the phone and start dialing. What list would you call? Again, every market's different. So for my market, I like the absentee owners. Vacant list, especially in Philadelphia, there's a lot of vacant properties. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. But yeah, yeah, absentee owner, vacant. Absolutely. And I would I would call for the money. It's the cheapest per lead cost by far. I've tried it all. I got almost got buried by PPC. That's what I would do. And awesome. and I would use TTP. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, Max, for joining me on this podcast. Thanks for sharing uh, true inspiration. Some really great takeaways there. Hope you guys took some notes and are going to implement. Remember, there's no point in listening to all these podcasts just for entertainment. We're really not that entertaining. Yes, we have authentic <laughs> enthusiasm. Yes, we love this business. But the point is, 
to take these things so that you can take action and get deals and change the financial trajectory of your life. And if you are interested in joining the most proactive group in real estate investing, it is the TTP program. It is the TTP family. Go to wholesalinginc.com forward slash TTP, wholesalinginc.com forward slash TTP. Scroll down, see what the program's about. Check out all the testimonials. You'll have to keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling because when people take action, people win. And I want to point you in the right direction and work with you personally. So if it feels good for you in your gut, sign up for a call. I'd love to work with you. And that's it. Thank you, Max, for being on. Again, you are incredible. And for everybody out there listening, as always, I encourage you to talk to people. Love you guys. Till next time. See ya. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at InvestorGrit.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling. 